Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Let me ask you a question. Do you have your financial house in order? If you had an unexpected expense, how would it affect you? 78% of people are living paycheck to paycheck. This includes high wage earners as well. My guest today is Michael Murphy, and today we're talking about personal finance. Part of leadership is leading yourself first, and that means taking care of your money. This is a powerful episode you don't want to miss. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Michael Murphy. Michael is the founder of Financial Coaching RDU, a company that helps people get control of their finances. He writes and speaks on personal finance issues and hosts the popular Murphy on Money podcast. He has written a new book, The Missing Key, How to Find and Use One Simple Skill to Unlock Your Best Financial Life. I've known Michael for years, and I love his passion for helping people. So many are living paycheck to paycheck, and this happens at all income levels. If you want to be a great leader, you need to lead yourself first, and that means getting your financial house in order. I'm excited to have Michael on the show and learn from his deep experience in this area. So, Michael, welcome. Hey, John. Thank you so much for having me on Deep Leadership. I've been enjoying this podcast for a while now, and it's it's a pleasure to be invited on. Man, it's so good to have you, and I'm so excited about this new book. I've been listening to your podcast for years, and so uh, I'm excited that you're you've, you're now got this book out. You're an author, and I'm really excited to talk to you about it and learn from you know kind of your experience in this area. It's, it's it's an area I'm interested in, and it's an area I see a lot of people kind of get derailed uh, because they don't have their financial house in order. So hopefully, we'll get into some good stuff here today. So absolutely. Um, let, let's get started. I mean, first of all, your background is in engineering and, and leading technical sales teams. So how did you get involved in the world of personal finance? It seems a little bit outside of what you've been doing most of your life and career. Yeah, that's that's actually an interesting question. And as I was thinking through that, and what actually, it made me realize that I became an engineer for return on investment. So, so maybe, because I was going to pay for my college education. I knew I was going to go to school. Uh, and I wanted to get something that I knew would have a solid, um, you know, a, a solid potential for income coming out of that. I always enjoyed enjoyed math, uh, but honestly, when I was in high school, I was not the student that applied themselves real hard. Um, so when I decided to do engineering, I needed to buckle down. But it's kind of interesting. I don't know where my passion or my where I was paying attention to money, where it actually came from or where it, where it rooted from. But I remember quite clearly making the decision on the the pursuit of my education revolving around a return on me having to, I knew that I was going to be borrowing money. And so I had to be worth more when I, my time had to be worth more when I got out. So that's, um, that's kind of where it came from. 
And then, you know, through all throughout, um, you know, in the, in my working life, I was doing 401k and stuff. And I'd always have coworkers that would ask me questions and I've just really enjoyed the topic. And so I was always helping people. And then I started a blog and that's where it all started. I started blogging and then realizing that I had most fun when I was engaging with people one-on-one. And so I started some coaching uh, and then podcasting and just doing some different things around money. And it's, uh, you know, been a side hustle for a long time, but something that is been a lot of fun. And I really enjoy uh, seeing the impact that just getting control of money can have on someone's life. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I've known you for a while and, and we've always had these financial discussions and I've always considered you kind of an, an expert and a go-to, even though, you know, a little little older than you, a little further down the career path than you. But uh, I've always kind of seen you as a leader when it comes to helping people with financial um, questions and issues and, you know, and, and, and the disciplines you bring to it. So let me ask you, let's go, let's go back a little bit about, let's talk about your personal financial journey. I know that you have worked hard. You and your wife have worked hard to become debt-free and now you have investment property. So what's that been like for you and how has that helped you be able to, um, be able to relate to the people that you're coaching? Yeah. Um, so, I got out of college and I actually remember this is an interesting, it's, it's an interesting experience. So I got out of college, I was pretty young and I was making decent money and it was my first job. And I remember talking to my manager at the time and I told him, Hey, you know, if I just live like a college student and put all of my, and put all of my money towards my student loans, I can be debt free in like a year and a half. And that manager told me, man, don't worry about that. Your student loan payments, like just, just make those little payments, man. And you gotta, you gotta live it up. Like I know you're making good money, like live it up. Mm. I went, proceeded to buy a new car and a motorcycle. Mm. So I was just, (laughs) and I literally, you know, I, I respected that individual quite a bit, but that advice was not real solid advice. Mm. And what, what ended up happening was from there on out, uh, until for several years, I just, you know, diddy bop through life and was just having a, a good time, um, and then I actually spent some time abroad. I lived in Brazil for a year. And when I came back from Brazil, I knew I wanted to get my MBA. And part of that process was I had to pay, work was going to pay for my MBA, but I actually had to pay the first month. So I just had to like get this eight, it was maybe 10 grand. And then I could pay my first semester. And then the next semester would be paid uh, by, I, I would be reimbursed. And then I could pay the next semester with that income, uh, that reimbursement. But I had a year to save 10 grand and the money I was making at the time, I should have been able to do that, but I didn't. So I got accepted. I had a year until I actually started. I needed to make that paycheck and I didn't, I didn't do it. So I knew I needed to buckle down because I was, I had no control. Like I was making good money and it was just all flowing right out of my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And the, the college thing and having to borrow more money to, to, to further my education when I still had student loans that I hadn't taken care of yet mm-hmm. was just like a realization to me that I really needed to, uh, get control of my situation. So I actually started a debt-free journey where I just buckled down and made, you know, big gnarly payments towards <laughs> student loans. I mean, I'm talking like three grand a month on average. Um, and so it was, it was a big sacrifice, but uh, it was definitely worth it. You look back, I mean, that was four years now, four, four or five years ago now, and no regrets. And so I'd love to get other people to that place. And the thing is, is that what I've realized is that 
life on the other side is a lot less stress, a lot less worry. I mean, my, my mm-hmm. wife and I, we have a, a nice emergency fund. We're able to fund some different things we want to do. Like you mentioned the, and we bought a duplex and investment property and we're just doing stuff that is a little bit different that are kind of setting ourselves for up for a really strong financial future where we're going to have a lot of options um, to help a lot of people give to our church in a big way. Just those types of things that I think everybody aspires to do, but it does take some, some discipline to, to get yourself there. It's really interesting. So it's, it's almost um, what you're doing is not mainstream, right? Mainstream is to, you know, rack up a bunch of student don't uh, loan debt, right? Get out of college, get your first big job. You get, you, you buy a brand new car, right? You probably get yourself a really nice apartment or maybe even try to buy a house early, you know, and, but, but you're just, you're, you're getting plugged into the matrix, which is the normal way of doing things. And what you're saying is like, no, you need to unplug from that. And here's a better way. Um, and, and you found, and through your journey, you said there's, there's, there's a life after all this debt that is a good life. And it, there's more that you can do with this, uh, with this life. If you can get out of that, you know, get out of that, you know, debt cycle. Yeah, 100%. And actually, the book actually talks about that a little bit about how we're marketed to pretty heavily and that people are trying to control our emotions so that we spend our money. Mm. So if we're not really intentional about what we're doing with our own money, somebody else is going to make a plan for it. Mm. They're, they're always working to try to maximize. And eventually you just don't have any more. Like you can't get any more credit. Your, your credit cards are maxed out and you can't buy the other thing that you wanted. Mm. And what you have to do is just release and create your own plan and and set up your own self for your, I mean, we're on a leadership podcast. So it's like leading your financial life, leading your family Mm. uh, and knowing that you're working towards uh, a bigger goal. So sometimes that can be debt freedom. It can be financial independence, uh, a lot of different things, but yeah, you definitely need to unplug because if you just go through the motions, there's always going to be something bigger, something better, something to buy. Mm. Uh, There's always, a way to kind of derail yourself for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, I worked 22 years in corporate America and I actually saw this with high salaried employees. So people that were vice presidents and senior vice presidents, and you would think that there would, their income level would be high so that they would be very comfortable. But what I saw was a lot of keeping up with the Joneses and a lot of, you know, um, comparisons or, you know, whether, whether what house they were living in and the car that they were purchasing. And so what I saw was, high income people uh, living into their, you know, fully into their income level and their lifestyles would exceed even sometimes these high income levels because they were trying to show off or, you know, be something or try to try to compare themselves to everybody else. And and so the idea of, of losing control of your finance doesn't just happen with, with low income people. It's no. also in high income categories as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've seen it. We can always, find a way to spend the money that we have. Uh, and it, like, if you just think through it, like, Oh, I finally got that big, that big job. And I think it's one of the reasons why people are so compelled towards leadership when they're not really ready for leadership. What they want mm-hmm. is the big paycheck. They want the money. Yeah, they want they, the money. So like, you know, talking <laughs> with you is like, we need leaders, right? We don't need people that are like personally ambitious to get more money because what they're going to find is one leadership is hard and there's mm-hmm. a massive responsibility that you have on there. But then the other side of that is that, that big income that they're pursuing is not going to bring them what they want if they don't have control. Because the the big income itself is not going to set you up for financial success. You can be broke and have a big income just as well. 
Um, I mean, imagine like, Hey, I finally get, I finally got the income. We're going to join the country club. Well, guess what? Yeah. yeah. Now the people you're rubbing elbows with, like you barely got into the country club. All those other people are driving, you know, $150,000 cars and that sort of thing. And then now you're thinking, well, maybe I should upgrade my car. I don't want to park over here. And then all of a sudden, like your income is expanding to a level that's outside. So it's like, it just happens naturally all the time. So you definitely have to build your own, your own financial plan and, and, um, yeah, unplug from the matrix, live a little differently. <laughs> unplug a bit. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you have a new book out. I've got it right here, The Missing Key. I'm excited uh, nice. uh, to, to get this. So um, what was the genesis for the book? Why did you feel like it needed to be written? And who are you trying to help with this book? Yeah, uh, the, so the book is for anyone that's ever spent any money. So oh, <laughs> if you've ever, made, you've ever made money, ever spent money, it's a book that can kind of help uh, just some simple principles. And that's who the book is for, who who could benefit from it. Why did I write the book? I think I wrote the book because I want to help more people. And what I've realized is that, so I do financial coaching and that's a, a certain you know price point to get in there. And there's some people that aren't really ready to make that commitment. Like they feel broke. And so they don't, they're not going to spend 120 bucks uh, an hour to sit down with someone. Um, and that's a pretty affordable rate. I, I, I actually met with a financial coach myself. And I paid $400 an hour to meet with that coach. So, um, I wanted to see what $400 coaching hours felt like. So, <laughs> and it's a different level, I'll tell you. Um, but they, um, so they're not ready for this. So this is like a really simple way where you can get some of the knowledge and experience that I've actually acquired over the last several years of me doing coaching sessions for people that are making 25,000 to I think the highest level is 350,000. I worked with a a couple that was making really, really solid money, absolutely broke trying Mm. to figure out how to make, I mean, mortgage payments getting missed, like the the real blocking and tackling the real important stuff. So this book is put into place and, and distills down uh, my lessons that we learned through that process. And it's real simple. It's a shorter book. The idea is that it's actionable steps to move through and actually get yourself on track. No, that's great. You know, it's interesting. I was having a discussion with John Brubaker, a friend of mine, and, and we were talking about um, books. And, you know, a lot of people buy books, but a lot of times they just sit on a shelf where they'll read the first chapter and they'll never, you know, they'll never either finish the book or they'll never, uh, never implement any of the ideas from the book. And so uh, it's funny because his next book, he says, I'm writing a, writing a book with only one chapter because most people only read one chapter. So so the whole book is one chapter, which is kind of funny and it's kind of unique. It. But but I think what I like about this book, it is it is um, it is a smaller book, easy to read. And so therefore, you can apply the principles and not just read the book or, or buy the book and think, well, I'm going to get debt free because or I'm going to get my financial house in order because I bought this book. Well, and they never read it. I mean, I think. Um, I think part of the magic of this book is it is it you can sit down and you can read through it. I didn't get through all of it last night, but I probably read 40% of the book and in maybe, you know, an hour or so just going through it. But um, so it's a, it's a quick read. So therefore, people are more likely to implement the ideas. Is that the thought behind it? Yeah. And John, I actually took it a step further uh, on. You'll notice in the book itself, there's certain I've got action steps in many of the chapters And one thing that I do in the book is I actually have a little symbol on the pages where you have an action step above it. So if you want to just do the Cliff Notes version, just skim through the book, 
and find all of those action steps. And those are the things that are going to get you on track. Now, I do feel like the content of the other parts of the book, um, <laughs> which is talking about like kind of money mindset and things like this are really valuable or they wouldn't be in there. Right. Um, I think they're valuable and worth going through, but literally even to make it even easier than, than being a, a short, easy read is that the action steps ha- are, are kind of marked out in the book themselves. Okay, good. So, so, you know, we talked about this earlier. We've got, you know, I think you said in the book, 78% of us workers are living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, that is just remarkable when I saw that number because that means 78% and that, that includes high, like we talked about high wage earners as well. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think that we, we expand into our income level and then we expand beyond that? Is this just that credit is, is easy to get? Is it that, um, you know, we talked about earlier to your chase, you're keeping up with the Joneses. What, <clears throat> why do people find themselves living paycheck to paycheck? Yeah. I, you know, I think it's, it's part of like, just like human nature, wanting, desiring, having these, these wants, um, and those, those want, you can always want more, right? Mm. You can want, and, but then there's a, then there's credit, which makes the things that you want accessible, mm. um, even though you can't quite afford it. And I'll give you an example of this, like my own personal mistake. Um, I went in, I was in, I mean, I, I was, I don't know what it was after, it was after college, but I wanted to go in and get a $300, like a real cheap bed. And I actually told myself, I was like, I'm going to try to find a mattress for like 300 bucks. I don't need to spend a ton of money. I'm just going to go in here. I went to the mattress store and I'm talking, I was like, Hey, I need to do this. And like all the mattresses that are like 300 bucks are like standing up, like against the wall. Right. Like those are the ones I should have been <laughs> looking at. But the uh, person there selling mattresses started walking me around like, Hey, we'll check this thing out. Check this thing out. Have you considered anything else? Like why 300? I can get your payment down to like really low. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you don't even need to spend $300 a day. So here I am like, okay. And he's like, why don't you lay down? So I laid down on this bed, dude, it was amazing. <laughs> so I ended up walking out with a with a th- more, spending more than $3,000. And by the way, I told myself that I got a good deal. And here's oh. why, because I was able to get them to knock like almost 25% off the list price uh, on the mattress and the the frame. So I got out of there with like a Tempur-Pedic with like an adjustable thing, like uh, you know, adjustable foundation, vibration, yeah, yeah, this whole thing. Yeah. It's not what I needed, but here's the thing. <laughs> it was, it was 140 bucks a month for the payment. Yeah. Same as cash, right? Same as cash. And so I didn't, need to spend that money. And that is money that flowed out of my life. That's $3,000 at the time, you know, I was probably making, it was pretty close to after college. So it's probably making like $60,000 a year. Right. So that's a pretty big chunk of what I actually got to take home. And it just flowed out of my life in a simple, like one hour mm. experience. And that's how easy it is. And I think that's why people get in themselves in the situation. So if you can, and one of the things that this book talks about a little bit, and um, it, there's a chapter called debunking debt and it, and it talks about kind of the, the nature of using debt to finance, especially consumer spending, mm. um, which is where you can get in a lot of trouble. Um, and they try to make it, try to make it easy for you because they want you to say, Oh, I can afford that. It's like, you can afford the payment, but you shouldn't be driving a $50,000 car when you make $60,000 a year. Right. Like, probably, good, <laughs> probably good advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, okay. So the book is called the missing key right here. So yep. what is the missing key? What are people missing and how do, how do they find it? What do they, what do they need to do to find it? Yeah. Uh, the core of the missing key is controlling your spending, your, the flow of money in your day-to-day life. That is the missing key. Hmm. Um, and I see it. Fo- and, and so what it takes is 
simplifying your finances, understanding where you've got leaks, uh, but really, really paying attention and being intentional. Um, so that's the, that's the premise of the missing key and what I see people, uh, over and over. And so bringing that into their lives with some different, um, you know, different tools and resources, which this book talks through is what's going to help them kind of get themselves on track and start making progress towards the financial life they desire. So the, the subtitle of the book is how to find and use the one simple skill needed to unlock your best financial life. Um, and so while it, while we think that it's easy, it's like, Oh, just, you know, pay attention to how much you're spending, have mm -hmm. a budget, but there's some, uh, some caveats to that. Cause it's not, all, it's not always that easy. If it was that easy, people would just do it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not that easy, but it's not, it's not like a, a mentally complicated or like difficult it's just, it's hard to execute because we have so many other wants and desires. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll, I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. Deep Leadership is brought to you by my friends at the Bottom Gun Coffee Company. Bottom Gun is owned and operated by U.S. submarine veterans, and no one knows coffee better than the men and women who serve long hours keeping watch under the sea. Bottom Gun Coffee Company has a variety of coffee blends designed to keep you moving. From Ahab's Revenge Extremely Strong Coffee to their morning blend, Bottom Gun purchases only premium certified organic coffee beans from all over the world to create the finest tasting coffee you will ever experience. It's what I drink every day. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffeeCompany.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified. So it's interesting, you know, I find myself almost thinking, thinking about it like, um, you, you know, like, like food, like, so, um, you know, if you live a disciplined life, right, and you control your macros and your calories, right, you're going to get to your fitness goals, you're going to become more fit, and you're going to be more healthy, and you're going to have a, you're going to have a better, you know, you'll have a more healthy lifestyle, right? You're not, you're not dealing with stress and medical issues and what have you. So, but it takes discipline to have a you know, to have, when it comes to your physical self, right, it takes discipline, you're working out, you're, you're, you're monitoring what your intake, but it's so easy to go off the rails, right, that we live in a society that says, hey, you know, you want to supersize that, right, so, yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and donuts are brought to the office, and, you know, there's all yeah. these things, it's, and, and these things taste so good, right, so, and they're so bad for you, and I think it's the same thing with the financial side of the house, right? If you have discipline, right, you're going to get control and you're not, and you're going to have all the benefits of having a controlled life with respect to finance. But if you choose to go, Hey, look, I can get that $3,000 mattress, that, that uh, Harley Davidson, you know, because someone gave me credit, <laughs> like, Oh, like, <clears throat> like when they tell you, you know, like how much do you qualify for a house home loan? And you're like, Oh, dude, wow. Holy cow. I'm going to go get that house. Right. I'm going to have that giant mortgage payment. So we live in a, we live in a society that it's all available to us, um, with credit. 
Yeah. But it takes discipline and focus. And then there's, but there's benefits if you can discipline and focus yourself to, you know, maintaining a lifestyle that's well within your means. Absolutely. And I want to kind of, I, I love that, uh, that metaphor on like dieting and you, mm-hmm. you mentioned like following macros. There's people that want to do that type of macro thing. There's also other people that are just like, I'm just going to be mindful and try not to eat too much. Right. Yeah. So like, when it comes to controlling money and every, it, you don't have to be the type of person that's like, um, like every tiny little detail and then being so strict that you like completely lose like enjoyment with, with anything. Right. It's like, I think that, well, no, I know that you can still have success with money, but it's about, it's about making conscious decisions all the time. So for example, let's say, you, you had a category, uh, let's say eating out, right? Uh, and you said, Hey, I was going to do $300 this month for eating out, but you end up saying, I want to go out to eat with, with that couple. And we're going to do that. And we really want to buy their, their dinner there that night. So we're going to do that. It's not in the budget. You don't have to be the type of person that says like, no, but you have to know where it's going to come from. Mm. So what category is going to adjust to make up for that, uh, you know, $150 bill that you're going to have for, for dinner, sitting down with, with a, you know, four people to eat or something like that. You know, so it's that, it's that cause and effect relationship that helps you make um, more conscious decisions about your spending. Cause when we just say, Oh, I have the money. It's like, you know, that you have the money, you're about to spend it. But what does that mean? You're not going to be able to do. Mm. And what that, what that typically <clears throat> for a lot of people is it, it means if you just continue to spend, it means that you're never going to make progress on getting out of debt or make progress towards saving and investing and setting yourself up for a financial future that you, that you desire. Mm. And I know, you know, I know because I've followed you for a long time, you believe in the concept of what gets measured gets done. So it's, it's tracking your, tracking your debt and tracking your net worth and, and, and actually keep, you know, not, not to where you're obsessed with it, but that you know where you stand. It's almost like uh, stepping on the scale occasionally once in a while to make sure that you know where you stand, right? I'm fine. I'm fine. And next thing you know, you're 250 and you're like, I'm not fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but you have to also kind of keep track of what's going on. And I think in the book, you, you have some simple ways to be able to track where you're at financially, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then <laughs> it also points to additional resources and things that you can, you can find and how to get plugged into community for accountability and a lot of different things like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so what's what's the hardest thing for people when they decide to go on this journey to get control of their finances? <clears throat> what are some of the things that uh, people struggle with and, and how what are some tips to help them keep on track with the journey? Like you said, they might go out to dinner and say, oh, I'm going to buy dinner for somebody. And then and then they say, well, I'm going to do this. Well, I'm going to do this. And the next thing you know, they're, they're off kilter. So what are some of the challenges when you when you first go down this road and then you know, how do you, how do you stay on track when things start to derail? Yeah. The, the first part of that, I think the, the hardest part is just, um, no, like living differently mm. and people are going to think you're weird. They're going to think, <laughs> Hey, like, uh, why, you know, actually I had this experience when I was in B school, I had a conversation with one of, I was actually sitting at a table. We were all like sitting at a drink, drinking beers after class one time. And I mentioned that I haven't that I didn't have a credit card and I haven't used a credit card for like a couple of years. And everyone, everyone looked at me like I had like three eyes or something. Like they could not believe that I didn't have a credit card. And I honestly didn't think it was that weird. It didn't really affect my life. And so it was so natural, but to look at someone else and just be like, how do you even do that? Right. right. Goes to the point that like, 
we're so ingrained in like this, like plugged into the matrix, go back to that, that this is just how it needs to be. And so it does take living a little bit differently. And then not keeping up with the Joneses, knowing that you have a plan and you don't care what other people have to say mm. about what you're doing. Uh, I think that's one of the hard ones. Um, and then the second piece is, you know, staying on track is I actually read this study that said that if you had people, uh, you put, uh, like some candy on the table and these are people on a diet and somebody eats like a, like one of those little mini bite-sized candy, they're candies, negative, right? They're negative calories. Yeah. 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 So they yeah, just tiny little thing, right? If someone eats one of those while they're sitting in like a waiting room and then they're offered a bowl of ice cream later, the people that, that have actually, um, eaten the ice, eaten the, the little, the little piece are more likely to just be like, bah, I, I already ruined it. I might as well. Yeah, right. And so it's kind of interesting that like, it's, just because you make a small little mistake doesn't mean you need to set everything off track. So part of this, actually, there's a chapter that's or a, or a subheading, a small couple paragraphs about giving yourself grace and how to be mm. like, stay on track. Uh, there's a quote actually in the book that I read from someone else. Uh, it's actually a Tony Robbins quote. And it says like, we're not, what makes us successful is not what we do. So here's what it says. It says uh, it's not what we do once in a while that shapes our lives. It's what we do consistently. And that's actually a Tony Robbins quote. And I loved it because that goes to the point where you're saying is like, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be perfect every time, mm. but it has to be perfect or it has to be good more times than it's not. So making mistakes, don't, you know, don't derail everything because mm. if you continue to get back up, you're going to, you're going to make progress. I like what uh, John Acuff, he also says this in his book, Finish. He says that the most important day in any journey towards the goal is the day after you screw up right? is <laughs> to get back on the horse and keep moving. Right. Cause we, yeah. like you say, we like, Oh, I screwed up on Monday. So screw it on Tuesday. I'm going to do whatever I want. And, and <clears throat> the most important day is the next day after you've kind of not, you maybe you've spent too much or you've, you're, <clears throat> you've kind of derailed a little bit, but the, it's the next day is to get back on track. You know, not, yeah. not allow it to go a week and a month or, or a year. Right. And that's the same thing with the weight analogy. Right. You know, you screw up one day. It's not going to kill you, but it will kill you if you keep doing that on, you know, yeah. on a month by month basis. Right. For sure. So, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <clears throat> what are the benefits when you get control of your personal finance? And, you know, and again, it takes discipline. It takes focus. It takes effort. You can't just let things go out of control, but. What is it, what are the benefits when you get there and what's it like to live debt free? Yes. So for me, it's been really freeing, just having options. Uh, I know a lot of, probably, uh, some people like, uh, you know, that uh, actually you have a, a, an ad on your podcast that's like, Hey, is your boss a jerk? Um, <laughs> yes, which I do. We, there's a lot of folks that have that jerk boss and financial freedom gives you the opportunity to say, like, I don't have to, I, it, like I've been able to build up an emergency fund that's that's substantial. So if at any point I just was like, Hey, I'm really done. I don't feel locked in. I've got options. Mm. So that's one of the benefits is like, you really do have options. You have less worries. Um, I had a, an, is, an issue uh, last year. Yeah. It, with, with my taxes, I severely underwithheld and I didn't realize it. So I went and did my taxes, $7,000 tax bill. And the lady at the tax place told me that when, she, she's like, I got really bad news, Michael. And she told me, and I was like, Oh, I was like, well, what's my tax rate? Was it lower than this year than last year? And she's like, yeah, I was like, awesome. And she's like, well, yeah. what about the $7,000 bill? I was like, I'll write the check. Not a big deal. And she's like, Michael, seriously, there's people that, that, that have that owe like 10% mm. of that. 
that go over in that chair. She like literally pointed, go over in that chair and cry. Mm. Um, and she's like, and so that's the difference is like, we, I just wrote the check out of emergency fund and we were buying a house at the same time. And I still had enough money for the down payment and to pay that bill and to have some additional cash. So options. And it, the, the house we were buying was actually that duplex. So it was a part mm. of our investment journey. So um, there's just a ton of options and it's a, it's, you get to pursue what you want. And I think that people are typically, and they, and they, they lean into being generous people, but we mm. don't know how to do that. But being able to be mindful of it. And so like my wife and I, we've got a uh, part of our budget is like giving like spontaneous giving spontaneous, but we plan for it. But now, <laughs> but now we just look for the opportunities. Where are we going to leave that hundred dollar tip? Where are we mm. going to, where are we going to bless somebody? Um, you know, leave it under, you know, a cup of coffee, uh, as you, as you walk out of the door, you know, and let somebody uh, that has to bust that table, uh, get that, t- you know what I mean? Like we look yeah. for those opportunities to bless people, and I think that more people would do those types of things if, if you could, but you have the options when you, when you realize you created the, the band within your life. So talk to me about, um, I don't, I don't know if you talk about it in the book, but what about contentment? I think that that plays a little bit, at least in my personal finance journey is that, um, you know, we're debt free as well. And, and, uh, part of it is just like being content and not wanting the next thing and wanting the next best thing and, and just, you know, living with what you have and being happy with, with what you have is, is contentment or how does contentment play into this? I, I think it's huge. Um, there's a, it, it's, it, you're going to continue to compare yourself to other people. Um, and that is, that robs you of any happiness and we all have done it. Uh, I can think of, you know, you've got a coworker that gets the raise and you just constantly, you're like, why them? Why them? Why? Like mm-hmm. I, that should have mm-hmm. been me and, or, you know, they're better than me or whatever that is but you, you losing the opportunity to look at all the blessings that you have around you, which is like something that we don't do often. I actually read a book called the miracle morning by man, Earl. I don't, I don't remember the last (laughs) name. Look it up. The miracle morning. Part of that miracle morning is really leaning into gratitude. Um, and can, and part of, I think contentment is a result of gratitude. Mm. So you, you really have to lean into gratitude to find contentment. Cause then you realize like, man, I'm really, really freaking blessed, mm. super blessed, no matter who you are. If you, if any, I don't know where you, the majority of your listeners uh, for your podcast are, but if you're in the United States, it's, we make insane amount of money compared mm. to like, it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, you're working minimum wage here in the United States and you're absolutely crushing it compared to incomes at other people. So um, there's always an opportunity to improve, but don't let it steal the happiness of what you do have the what you've been blessed with for sure yeah yeah, i agree i think for for at least for my family the the idea of just being content has been one thing that's helped us is that we just don't need those things and you know in my personal journey sure i've bought everything i've had three boats and three sports cars and i've i've had some fun but you know at the end of the day i don't have any of those things anymore they 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 bring you joy for a short amount of time and then they, then you have to maintain them and fix them. And, you know, and so I think kind of decluttering your financial life is a big part of it as well. Just sort of, you know, focus on what's important and, uh, and, and, and making sure that you can, you know, live a comfortable life, but, but, but not, you know, not, not be surrounded by stuff. I think, I think that for me, at least we've always enjoyed as a family more the, if I'm going to spend my money, it's going to be on travel. It's going to have experiences with my family versus things for my family. And that's been a big part of what we've done. 
I think that's a, that's huge. I've learned that too, after being married, that the best way to spend your money is on experience with the people that you love. Um, Mm. Things are, things get ruined. And even if you buy the nicest, coolest car, the second gets nicked, you're like, Oh no, someone got me a door ding. It's like, dude, it's a freaking door ding. Who cares? But it's like, but because it's so precious, you know, it's like that. um, And it's like, I don't know. I don't know if there's that many things in our life that should, besides our loved ones, that should garner that much care and affection. I agree. You know? I, agree. Like, I think that the, I finally get over it by buying a pickup truck because I figure if I get a ding or a dent or whatever, that it's a pickup truck. It's it designed, just looks more it's designed for that. Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah. now I don't have to worry about dings and dents and scars. It's just a, it's part of its story, right? <laughs> yeah, you just put a little mud on it and you're like, there you go. You can't even Perfect. see the ding. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> So, um, so what's next for you? So what, uh, as you, you know, continue to build up this, uh, you know, your financial coaching and what, what's next for you? Yeah. Um, I'm still con- continuing to coaching and that's actually been picking up. I actually thought the book was going to be the replacement for some coaching, but it's actually been, it's been interesting. I've actually picked up some additional uh, coaching clients, which is always a pleasure to work with them and really dive into their finances. So I'm going to continue to do that. I'm actually starting and I did this about a month ago, my first, um, six week boot camp course for oh, I saw so that. It's, a, yeah. it's a group. Uh, I'm going to continue to do that. I actually plan on launching one in the beginning of January, uh, after everybody <laughs> loses their mind spending their money in, in February and decide that they want to get on track in January. So I'll be doing that again. So take a look out for that. But other than that, I'm just going to continue to, to work to create resources for helping people, um, and continue to grow the, the podcast and have guests on that are sharing good, uh, good, strong content. And uh, yeah, continue to grow the the brand and just trying to help folks with money. So one thing I didn't I didn't mention you the tagline on your podcast. What is that? I love it. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's money for the average Joe and those of us that want to have some mo. <laughs> Joe and more don't rhyme, so don't I have rhyme, to so Joe have and Mo. So I have to say it a little bit funny. <laughs> Yeah, I highly encourage all of my listeners to go over to Murphy on Money. Uh, that podcast is great. I mean, just you've got lately you've got a lot of great good guests on there. And um, it, it's I think it's really good just to hear stories of other people that have gone through that journey and they've become debt free. They've got control of their financials, financial situation. You realize that <clears throat> it's not weird. It's it, it's it's something that can be done. It's normal. It's not without it's not outside your control. You can do it and you can do it at any age right? You can do it at any income level. You can do it. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, how much knowledge or experience you have. Anyone can do this. Anyone can get, get control of their finances. That's one thing I took away from the book. It can be, it, it can be, you know, male, female, married, single, all, anyone can get a get control of their situation. 100%. I had a coaching, uh, coaching couple that were in their fifties and, they actually were both, uh, you know, blended families and, you know, there was like alimony payments and, and they're paying for kids soccer. And the thing was they weren't communicating with money and it always had a little bit of tension and see them work together was amazing mm. because they had been married for, I think like six or so years at that point in time, but they'd never gotten on the same page. So no matter where you are. Um, and what's really cool is that they realized that they had several thousand dollars that was just just flowing out of yeah. uh, their, their finances that without much effort, they were able to free that up. And now they're planning on buying some investment property. And so like, that's been their goal, but they haven't been able to communicate on it. They never knew what was going on. They didn't talk about money. Uh, you know, she just saw these checks flowing out to, you know, to, you know, pay alimony and pay child support and all this. And 
just felt like there wasn't much communication and now they're on track. So, uh, man, there's just so many great stories like that. And it, it doesn't matter. It's not just for young folks. It's, it's absolutely for everybody for sure. That's great. So how can people find out more about you, your podcast, your coaching services, and your new book, The Missing Key? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you uh, for that. I, I'm probably most active on Instagram at Murphy on Money. That's probably where, and there's a, a great community over there uh, to engage with. So you can check me out there. My main website that I started years ago, which is called Murphy on Money. So that's a great place to go. But if you're interested in, and you can go there and, and find links to the coaching services. So Murphy on Money is probably the best place to land. That's where you're going to find the most free resources. And if you're also looking for coaching uh, there as well, but, um, and then you can also head over to Financial Coaching RDU if you're interested in doing some coaching. So I live at all those places. I'm, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. I get quite a few um, messages and responses. But you can also check out the podcast. That's Murphy on Money, wherever you listen to your wonderful podcasts. <laughs> Available at all podcast outlets. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think. I don't know. I haven't had anybody tell me like, it's not here. So I think it's everywhere. You didn't get a hundred million to do exclusive on Spotify? Cause, no, I'm not, no, not there yet. Not there I'm yet, working no. on, I'm working on this podcast will one day be, no, I don't know. The Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> I'll be, that I'll be for... competing with jo Joe Rogan here yeah. shortly. So. <laughs> well, very good, Michael. This has been fantastic. And, and I really appreciate um, you coming on the show, sharing your experiences and talking about your new book. Cause I think, I think this is a problem. When I hear that 78% of people are living paycheck to paycheck, it means that this book is for everybody. This book is for those 78% of the people that really need to hear the message and they need to get their house in order. And, you know, I think really being a leader means leading yourself first. It's taking care of yourself, both you know, physically, mentally, spiritually, and also financially. You've got to make sure that your house is in order. I mean, how effective are you going to be leading your organization if you're always worried about, you know, your, your money situation at home? You're always worried about you know, can I pay the bills or I got to, I got to get the next promotion so that I can, you know, I can increase my lifestyle. So I yeah. think this is a very important message for everybody, but I think especially leaders. Yeah. And those, and those people that they lead as well, mm -hmm. you know, like knowing that they, if you can help them get their financial act in, in order with, you know, and there's some, probably some gray area that you need to be careful on, but, but helping them so that they don't have the distraction of, of personal finance issues, mm -hmm. keeping them uh, distracted in the, in the workplace um, that can go a long way and just helping them see, be grateful for the the income that they've got coming in and really lean in and be in their best um, and get rid of some of the, the stressors that come with uh, you know, financial issues. So, yeah. So with financial freedom and financial peace comes, you know, less stress and less, less emotional responses to money. Right. Like, like you said, when you get that giant tax bill, you, you go, okay. Yeah. Uh, not, <laughs> it's not cool, but I'm not going to lose my, I'm not going to lose my stuff over it. Right. Yeah, exactly. I figured I shouldn't have had it anyways. I probably should have sent that to him earlier in the year. So I'll just go ahead and do that now. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, Definitely. Well, very good. Well, thank you, Michael, for all of your insight. Yeah, I appreciate being, uh, the invite to be on and I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, John. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well.
Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care.